Utah's best sports radio is on the Zone Sports Network. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... And it's time to kick off Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's some big show. Everybody ready? Monday, Monday. Just another manic Monday. Let's get rolling. This is the big show on 97.5, 1280 the zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big show, 97.5, 1280 the zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. Happy Monday. Happy game day. Happy, uh, I don't know, sweater day. I'm wearing a sharp sweater today, Gordon. It it's looks, uh, uh, it's uh, autumn outside, a mild autumn day. The leaves are changing down here. The mountains are done. They're done. They're all brown and rusted out now, but uh, down here, you kind of get two different stages of autumn around here. Well, the early kind of... Uh, freezing temperatures that we experienced last week probably didn't help the longevity of said leaves. So answer me this. Hmm. Does the fact that the leaves change earlier up in the mountains, is that has everything to do with elevation? Does it have to do with anything else? Temperature well, I, I, is I, I, colder up there, right? But what, what else is involved in this? Is it drier up there? Is the air drier? Now, I'm not a botanist, Gordon. <laughs> Norm, Didn't you uh, study photosynthesis back in the no, day? No, but I, I would guess it's a, it's a temperature thing, and it gets colder earlier the higher you get. Up there. Because yeah. don't the trees, aren't they preparing themselves for the winter or whatever, and that's why the leaves turn and fall off? I just wondered if there was something else other than the temperature, because obviously the temperature is a function of elevation. Well, soil acidity levels, I mean, it probably... <laughs> Probably all all matters. Yeah, I gotta I gotta side with you on this one, Austin. I'm not the one that brought up uh, soil acidity levels. Those three words have never been spoken. Let's on say this it again. Well, Let's you, see how the ratings go. You've taken us down this direction today. Uh, we are very busy on the show today. We're What's go- going on? We're going to talk to Christian Cox at the top of the four o'clock hour. My guess uh, is the former you will be in a good mood after the performance over the weekend, so we'll talk to him about that. Top of the 5 o'clock hour, Gordon, the road to contention continues on. I had a conversation today with Ed Davis. Yes. Who I think is going to play a very important role on uh, on this team. And uh, he's he's kind of one of the newer faces. We had a chance to talk to him uh, when he first got to town, Gordon. He's a, he's a really good interview. He's a sharp guy. Yes, he is. And, uh, and it was fun to talk to him today. So we'll play that conversation at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. I'll look forward to hearing it. I did go to practice today, too, or I guess shoot around. Nothing is, uh, nothing is entertaining as uh, the two-on-two game that was witnessed on Sunday. We can talk about that a little bit today. <laughs> Incident on uh, Sunday at practice. After like a two-and-a-half-hour practice, by the way. Well, uh, Trey Lyles was, you know. Well, let's just say Coach Schneider, he was, he was going to get some work done <laughs> on a Sunday. I know, uh, you know, that's He was not, in the mood to work. Yeah, he, he was, was in, in the, the mood, mood to have the other guys work hard. 
it was going to happen. So we'll get to that. The Jazz do uh, uh, are in action tonight. They'll be on the station preseason game against Sacramento, the Kings. So maybe we'll talk a little Western Conference basketball. I don't I don't know if the Kings are there yet, but I think they're one of the more sneaky, interesting teams in sneaky, the West. Sneaky, but not sneaky enough. Well, sneaky, but not. Uh, they're they're just not quite there from a talent standpoint. Right. I agree with that. Well, real quick, what do you suppose? That long practice, what do you think they were working on in there? Mm. There's one word. Reads? Defense. Oh, okay. Because Friday night they looked good offensively. They looked fantastic, especially when they had the you know, the front line guys on the floor. But defense, uh Nolan Quinn, he probably was not happy with what he saw there. I've heard them. The reason I answer reads, I suppose, is like that has been the most common term <laughs> used in all these post game or post practice interviews that uh, that we're doing. But I guess you know they're answering specific offense related questions. But these guys are talking a lot about a lot about reads. Donovan Mitchell had an interesting observation today at at shoot around about a specific play that David Locke brought up, where he said, you know, they've been running that play for a while, and that read is never there. It's never been there, and then all of a sudden. The reads there, and and he got a wide open shot uh, as a result. Uh, so because interesting defense, stuff. Because defenses are going to play the Jazz differently. Yes, they're going to have to. So we'll get into it all on, on a busy day. Should we start off talking a little college football, Gordo? Let's do it. It's time for the split story of the day here on uh, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. You talk, give me two. This is the split story of the day. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Seeming wall interesting because he originally signed to come here to Oregon State. Zach Moss breaking a tackle. Moss to the outside. Moss at midfield. 40, 30. Zach Moss to the 10. And Zach Moss is in. Touchdown. 91 yards for Moss. We use the term explosive a lot in football, Roxy. We saw multiple versions of it here. Initially, running through tackles in the backfield, Sean Wilson was like roadkill. And then Zach Moss from there showing explosive speed to take it the distance. 91 yards later. First and goal, Moss the running back behind Tyler Huntley. Zach Moss, big hole up the middle. He's into the end zone. Touchdown, Utah. Second for Zach Moss in the ballgame. Big weekend for the Utes, Gordon. Oregon State, the Beavers, did not stand a chance. Utah beat them 52-7. to And, you know, let's be honest, they pretty much beat them 52-0. to <laughs> I don't <laughs> know how much that, that last one counted. They were near perfect offensively, but even more impressively, and I was trying to exp- express this when I jumped on with Austin and Tony earlier today, but I was more impressed with what the defense did the Beaver offense than what the offense did to the Beaver defense. Well, we knew that the Ute offense was going to explode in that game. Well, you and I predicted yep. that. I mean, we didn't give a spe- – I think, did I say 40, somewhere around there? Well, they exceeded that. Uh, but you're right. We thought that Oregon State, based on recent evidence, would uh, put up a little more of a threat offensively, and it didn't happen. Just did not happen. And where's the credit go? The credit goes to that Utah defense. Those guys played awesome. I mean, they were great. They were great up front. They were great in the back. They were great in the middle. They were great everywhere. 
Oregon State couldn't do jack squat. That game was over in the first quarter. It was over in the first quarter. And uh, you know who I think, and I don't know who got the game ball on defense officially from uh, Kyle Whittingham and the Utes, but uh, the game Johnson? ball has got to be Jalen Johnson. Because He's... Oregon State was going to throw the ball uh, to Hodgins yeah. no matter what. And he was all over him. I mean, I was impressed. And uh, we knew that he it was a great talent. It's just that he, at times this season, I guess specifically against USC, you wondered a little bit what was going on there. But, man, was he good. And they're going to do the same thing uh, again this week against Arizona State. I, I honestly think one of the big problems with USC is USC had so many guys. I mean, they had what do you so mean many receivers. Do the same thing against Arizona State. Oh, I think they're going to do the uh, the Jalen Johnson star treatment defense, where he just trails him. Excuse me, I should have explained that. Uh, you, you saw usually Utah lines up and they line up sides, and they don't necessarily flip their personnel based mm-hmm. on what's on the other side of them. But you saw this last year, and it didn't go all that well with Nikhil Harry, but they did it last year. Um, uh, and they might have done it another game or two, but that's what we saw in this game was they were going to wherever Hudgens went on the on the field, Jalen was going to follow him, and so Arizona's got another stud that uh, the or Arizona State, excuse me, has another stud that had a good game against the Utes last year opposite Nikhil Harry, and I uh, uh, I was hearing that they'll probably do it again. And that Benjamin kid is good. He is good, and the Utes wanted him in a bad way. But uh, didn't get him. So, I, you know, we'll talk more about that. But I, uh, nothing but uh, tip of the cap to the Utes and the way they played against Oregon State. Now, I don't know whether the pollsters were all that impressed because they think Oregon State is not very good. Uh, but they were better than the Utes allowed them to look. I agree. I yeah. totally agree with that. Absolutely. They, they had a great game plan. Uh, on both sides of the ball and executed it nearly flawlessly. We took we, that Zach Moss run that he took to the house. Yeah. I mean, that was such a Zach Moss run. I mean, spin out of a tackle, bruise his way past the uh, you know initial line of defense, and then show that burst of speed. Yeah. And he he flew down that sideline. Yeah. He was. He I mean, that third was third longest run in Utah football history. Well, he's going to break another record this weekend. He's got 55 yards to go to be the all-time leading rusher, and that is saying something. And he's great, and the rest of the backs were great. And um, Kyle Whittingham mentioned today at his press conference that they gave the offensive game ball to the receivers. You know, I've been wanting to see receivers go out and make plays, and they've done that the past couple of weeks. That catch uh, from Samson Nakua on the fourth down call? Uh huh. I mean, first of all, (laughs) what a gutsy call. I love it. You know, that's what it wasn't exactly... You know, Oregon State. No, I got you, but but I mean, fourth and seven, and that's the play you dial up. This shows a lot of confidence in your yeah. personnel. Either because that or if you it, think your opponent sucks, true. But if it doesn't work, you look like kind of a you know, kind of like a, let me put it this way, kind of like <laughs> calling a fly sweep on a critical play. <laughs> if it works, you look like a genius. If it doesn't, then you get the ire of the entire BYU Cougar Twitter mob. I think this is the same type of thing, but it worked because of a really good throw from Tyler Huntley yes. with, with some nice touch, by the way, dropped uh-huh. it right where it needed to be, and, and uh, Samson Nakua making an unbelievable catch because the coverage was good. Yeah, uh, The coverage was really good, and to do that on fourth down, I, I, I thought said a lot. I really did. Well, let's get in line behind Kyle Whittingham from this uh, perspective. The offense does deserve credit for what they did because they absolutely destroyed a bad defense. I mean, but they destroyed it. It looked to me like they could do darn near whatever they wanted. 
They could have scored 100 points if they'd wanted to. And Tyler Huntley, uh, I mean, they may have given the, the, the game ball to those receivers, but Tyler Huntley is raising his game to a level. You had some suspicions, didn't you? Are you convinced yet? With Tyler Huntley? Yeah. I'm pretty convinced. Yeah. I'm pretty convinced. No, I, if I, you had told me that at this point in the season that he would have suffered zero interceptions? I wouldn't have thought it. Zero. And I, I, actually, my first thought, counter to my optimistic self, would be, would be okay, then he's not risking, he's not laying the ball out there for his receivers. He's holding on to the ball too much and not throwing it when he should. I'm not sure I can make that claim. I mean, he has been... Really, really good. So the offense deserves all that shout-out, too. I mean, they just they made Oregon State look like they didn't even deserve to be on the same field. With Huntley, real quick, Gordon, um, and we can revisit this throughout the show, but I, with Huntley, I think he's finally getting the coaching that he, that, that he needed. Yeah. And that I don't mean for that to sound too overly negative, but uh, Andy I, Ludwig is a is a big plus. I think he was undercoached his first couple of years in the program, and whatever Troy Taylor was doing with him at the first part of last year, he, he was making progress. He was, but not. I don't think the progress that we've seen between year two and year three. But with that said, I also think it, it says a lot about an offensive coordinator, and this is Andy's strength: an offensive coordinator who came in and he looked at Tyler Huntley and he said, "All right." Let's put you in a real position to succeed. Forget what I do, because there really isn't an Andy Ludwig system. He's run everything throughout his career, everything to a to a double tight pro set, you know, big Wisconsin offense to a spread at Utah to whatever they ran with uh, with Carr at Fresno State when he was the offensive coordinator there and had the first pick in the draft. I mean, he's run everything throughout his career. So he came in and he said, well, I'm going to take a little of this and a little of that and a little of this experience and this quarterback, and I think this will fit Tyler Huntley best. And it's a lot of boots. It's a lot of play actions. It also takes advantage of the run game. It it fits like a glove. Yeah. And give Huntley credit for going out there and executing it. It reminds this will be somewhat controversial, Gordon. It reminds me of Jordan Love under Coach Yost, mm. where everything he was asked to do out there was just it just fit perfectly. And so I, I think those two deserve a lot of credit for working so well together. I agree with that. And don't you hate it when coaches try to cram their system down a player's throat? I mean, come on, let the guys be. I think the great coaches adapt to their personnel, and that's exactly what you just described with Andy Ludwig. And we we suspected that this is what was going to happen. I remember we did a show where we were talking about his addition and what it would mean back when he was first hired. I wrote a column about it saying this is going to be a huge plus. And, you know, you and I might be wrong about a lot, some things sometimes, but that was one that we nailed. And it's turned out that way. The biggest mystery this season for the Utes is what the heck happened against the Trojans. I, if I had ten bucks for every time I was asked that over the weekend, I'd have a hundred bucks, and I'd give it to Austin because you know I, I like him. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one thing is the offensive line has really tightened it up. They've started to play a lot better. They they had a really bad game against USC, and that was the problem with the whole offense that night. I thought. My opinion was that the offensive line was getting beat time and time and time again. And the defense, as we mentioned, was also getting beat by great athletes who were taking advantage 
of uh, circumstances that uh, Michael Pittman was terrific in that game. Well, it was it was a poor game plan that they held on to too long. You know, Utah's a really good band team, as we saw, uh, as we saw against the Beavers. But those three receivers that the Trojans had, I mean, you weren't just you you just weren't going to be able to play that team man to man. And BYU got away playing a real soft zone because they knew what was coming. And it's almost like Utah said, "Well, we're." We're better than what they. We're better than a soft zone. Let me put it that way. Yeah, yeah, that's that's beneath us. The, a little bit, right? <laughs> and so then USC uh, put together a better game, put together a better game plan. But I'll tell you what, I think that Utah really learned a lesson from that game, and I think the two stompings that we've witnessed since yeah. have somewhat to do with that wake up call, if that makes any sense. Especially Washington State, because Oregon State's just bad. But uh, but uh, no matter what anybody was saying about all this improvement and all that, but uh, and and I will say this: USC is is pretty good. I mean, they gave Notre Dame darn near everything they could handle. Right. So I mean, the Trojans are good. They have those terrific athletes uh, with which to work. But I I I'm telling you, I am impressed enough with the Utes. They are pretty much what we had thought they were going to be in an optimistic view before the season started. All right, just a real quick, don't want to steal Frank Dolce's uh, Pac-12 shakedown from the Ute preview show, which you should listen to uh, each and every Thursday on Hanson Scotty on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. But just a quick look around the rest of the conference because all this uh, 100% matters uh, if the Utes are going to fulfill their goals. Oregon spanked Colorado 45-3. to Any more... uh, any more belief in in Oregon? You feeling any yeah. better about the Ducks? Yeah, because you kind of teased me about it for a little while. I did. Yeah, you well, did. I only teased you about it in in the respect that you were dogging the dogs so badly. You mentioned that, that was you, a relative thing versus Washington. We'll get to the dogs. Hang on. Uh, Notre Dame did beat USC. However, that doesn't really matter because non conference right. game. So right. USC still in the driver's seat. Um, but it is interesting what's happening in the South, and it's. Uh, it is it is a fight, and obviously the Utes have to get ahead of the Trojans somehow along the way. We'll see what happens. But Arizona State, I think, is better than most people thought they'd be. Well, they, that's a, that's one of the tests they're going to have to get by because Arizona State also two and one in league, beating Washington State thirty eight thirty four, and then Arizona falls to two and one in league, and they got smacked around by the Huskies fifty one to twenty seven. Gave up. Uh, Gave up 24 points in the fourth quarter. Hmm. That's uh, rough. But anyway, the the South is all bound together with everybody uh, sitting at two and one, except for Colorado, who's now sitting at one and two. And Arizona State comes into this game ranked. Utah's history against Arizona State isn't terrific, but neither is Arizona State's offense, which has been gritty, but not dynamic, if that makes any sense. Daniels has done fine as the freshman, and they have Eno Benjamin, so they're not inept. Right. But I think, you know, they've survived on some real gritty play and some real stand-up play Benjamin from Benjamin is more than—he's uh, a great back. Fair enough. I agree. And obviously the Utes wanted Daniels. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, this is fun because the Utes, like you said, over the last two years, what's the uh, point differential on, in those two games? Like 30 point, 30-some points? Yeah. I mean, for whatever reason, ASU has really— been able to take it to the Utes. We'll see. They are big-time underdogs in the game. Did that surprise you? A little bit. Yeah, they with the line open at 12 and a half. Uh, yeah, and now I think it's it gone even... up to 13 and a half Right. Now? I think they're just begging betters to bet on the Devils. 
<laughs> so what what does Vegas know that we don't? Because that's a that's a line where it's saying, please bet on Arizona State, please. <laughs> maybe maybe the money's just going Utah's way because people are impressed with what the Utes are doing right now, and I I don't blame them. Yep. All right, joining us now in studio, we always look forward to seeing him. He is Mike Wilson from Any Hour Services. First and foremost, Mike, how are you? What's up? I'm doing good. How you doing? Good. How's life over there? Treating you all right? Yeah, I just started back playing racquetball, so I'm really, really sore. <laughs> Had trouble walking up the ramp. That's not normal. No, that's you walked but... up the ramp. You have a special elevator. Uh, I'll keep that to myself. Gordon wow. Gordon uses the, uh, the wait allegedly uses the you know the service elevator. No, nah, nobody nah, is. Today is. I didn't. I walked <laughs> okay. up today. <laughs> All right, that's you good know. that you're uh, you know you're working on that. Yeah. Wait, what are you saying? (laughs) (laughs) I know. I mean, just in general terms. Yeah, no, it's it's good. Uh, But I called called Mike to uh, use uh, the services. uh, Did you get set set, up? Set up uh, an appointment to to get the furnaces checked. So, yeah. Well, last time he was here, you did twist his arm into a, a deal he... He wasn't supposed to give, so I'm glad you at least took advantage of it. Everything okay, Mike? Uh, The boss didn't come down too hard on you, dude. Well, I was hoping you wouldn't remember because I don't want to give him any ammunition this time. Mm, Sorry, Mike. Uh, Hey, I'm not going to settle for just the norm. Even though the norm is usually really, really good, it's got to be extra special for our (laughs) listeners. Right? Way to backpedal there, Gordo. Backpedal? What? Maybe I should have been backpedaling. Did I backpedal? No, you were full steam ahead. As usual. We're going to see if Mike's going to. All right, uh, a, a lot of folks, <laughs> I just tried, but you didn't let me. <laughs> a lot of folks out there are doing what what Gordon's doing because the the temperature is dropping, and uh, we're going to talk some furnaces today. Yeah, you know, but I mean, before we're, we'll we'll talk most of our time, we'll spend most of our time talking about how to maintain our furnaces and help them running better. But before we dive into too much furnace stuff, I just with the weather, especially that we had last week, those like cold nights that we had, I just wanted to remind everyone that there are a few other things around the house that you want to make sure you're doing. Okay. You know, um, obviously, actually, as, as not fun as it is, you probably want to get up and like clean the gutters out because one of the things that happens every year is as the snow is melting off the roof, if you ever see icicles hanging down on the roof, that actually can start to cause what's called cause what's called an ice dam, and you can end up having that water set up on the roof shingles, and it can back up into the house and go down. And, and we get called out a lot to install heat tape, but a really good first step this time of year: clean all the leaves out that are falling make sure that you don't have a bunch of mud and stuff like gunking those things up so that the melting snow can flow off as easily as possible question about that Mike. yes uh i uh, just had my roof redone yes and uh the on the uh on that sheet that they put underneath the roof yes i had them go six feet instead of three okay is that a good? Uh, that, that was a, not a worthwhile endeavor. Yeah, that's that's definitely a good idea. But w- what'll happen with these ice dams is because of the heat coming off of the of from the house, you've got the portion of the roof that hangs over the eave, and that gets really cold. So that'll freeze, and then the water coming down as it's coming from the warm part, it'll freeze when it hits that cold part, and it'll start building an ice dam, mm-hmm. and you'll end up with a little puddle, and the yeah. water will leak back up in there. And so with that tar paper, it definitely should help pushing it back up in there. But I don't know what the resistance of tar paper is if it's, it's sitting and soaking oh, but it, okay but it's it's metal oh oh you got yeah, the metal f- yeah. flashing up there further yeah. then yes that's actually a really good thing okay well, yeah. good job there gordon well i mean you're ahead of it i'm you're listening to mike i'm trying to and i got new gutters I'm trying to you know trying to did you did you put said. the gutter guard over the top of them uh 
he 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 gave us that option, and I don't think I did that, but maybe I should have. Well, I don't know. Do you have a lot of leaves? Anyway, I don't yeah, know. Moving on. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, any this is other, the Gordon uh, and Mike uh, show. Yeah, right. <laughs> any other non-furnace stuff? What else do you want to talk about, Mike? <laughs> I don't know. What other non-furnace stuff can we do? Uh, let's see. Uh, when it starts to get really cold, a way that a lot of people, because a lot of our furnaces don't heat our homes evenly, people will use space heaters to offset those kind of extra cold areas. So if you're going to use a space heater, make sure that you are using an, a heavy-duty extension cord because those, it pulls a lot of electricity and those thin extension cords like the two-prong ones can start to overheat. And if you ever have a breaker trip, that's a sign that that heater is pulling too much electricity. So you can flip it back on, but if it keeps tripping, that you're pulling too much energy there. All right, let's talk about our furnaces. Yes, so it, we'll, we'll talk about the maintenance later, but we do have guy. a deal on our... smart. He, he is. really knows he's what he's it. talking about. <laughs> Uh, the, we're we're going to be talking. The deal that we have tonight is on our uh, preseason furnace tune-up. Now, manufacturers in the owner's manual, it actually says, in addition to the, all the stuff that you do to your furnace yourself, you should have it checked out by a properly trained technician. We go through the system and check all the things that manufacturers say. Normally, we charge $99 to come out and do that. It takes about 45 minutes to an hour to go through the system the way that manufacturers say. But Zone listeners are going to be able to lock in a $70 savings if they call before the end of the show tonight. You're not going to pay... 99 bucks, you're going to lock in a $29 price. Schedule it for whenever's most convenient for you. The only key is that you got to call tonight. 801-443-7400. Call any of our services right now. Save $70 on a 29-point preseason furnace tune-up. $99 value for only 29 bucks, but you've got to call now before 7 o'clock tonight. 801-443-7400. 801-443-7400. Thanks, Mike. You're welcome. That's Mike from any of our services. We'll have more Big Show next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Frank Dolce. I think the best thing that happened to Tyler Huntley is Andy Ludwig showed up at the University of Utah. It feels like he's completely aligned with the way that Coach Ludwig is managing the offense. It's just a really good combination of a guy who's had to struggle at the quarterback position and try and figure it out, and then having the right guy land at the right time in his career, and everything came together. There's a really good understanding of what the offense wants to do and what Tyler Huntley is being asked to do. All of those guys are being coached really well, and clearly they're executing the game plan very well. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Band of the Day today, Janis Joplin, brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artist insight at livenation.com. Truly one of the unique voices in rock and roll history. Yeah, past it to 27. Too, Too young. young. No doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, Gordon. want to also remind you about our friends at uh, Diamond Airport Parking. Begin and end every great trip with Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond offers car-to-curb service, 24-7 airport uh, shuttles, fantastic rates, complimentary bottled water, plus 
No one beats the friendly staff. Diamond Airport parking just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save Diamond Airport parking. Who had the worst weekend, Gordon? BYU losing to South Florida 27-23 to or the Cowboys losing to the Jets? Uh, boy, that's close. <laughs> A lot on the line for both teams, both coaching staffs. That is close. Lost to the Jets. Oh. But, yeah. I mean, BYU dropping that one to the South Florida Bulls, the way that they lost it, and with what I believe is, is on the line for, for the coaching staff, I mean, that is a... That is a brutal blow. It is, and anybody who started to watch that game and didn't finish watching it uh, would have been shocked that BYU lost that game. With the way things started, it looked like BYU was going to have that game in hand. But then, you know, bit by bit, uh, things started to fall apart. And the fourth quarter was—that must have been— painful, not just for the result for Kalani Sataki, but just because we know how he feels about stopping the run, and the Cougars were unable to do that when they had to late in that game. Well, not just, I mean, not just late in the game. It it was really an adjustment that South Florida made at halftime, that they were, they. it's, it's almost like they realized, wait a minute, we're playing against the 120th <laughs> team in the country against the run. <laughs> Maybe yeah. we should get out there and run but, the ball well, on these guys. But what was so disturbing about that was the fact that the, the, you know, the passing game was not really much of a threat. That quarterback, Gordon, was awful. <laughs> awful. Jordan McLeod, he, he was dreadful throwing the football. I mean, BYU, all they had to do was load up the box and stop the run and they could not do it. Nope. Could not do it. Mm-hmm. I, I would absolutely tempt that quarterback to beat me all day. I mean he had some wide open, wide open routes that should have been six, two of them, that he, he couldn't put it in the same zip code. And even with all of that said, BYU had two opportunities late to win the game and could not do it. Now granted they were playing with um uh what happened to Joe Critchlow, by the way? So the explanation I've kind of gotten on that as I've, I've dug around a little bit, and uh, I think even Kalani alluded to it today at his press conference, was that Romney is more elusive, so he fits more into the Jaron Hall uh, game plan. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I, I he, Kalani mentioned Critchlow today. I don't know if they're considering starting him or not, but that was the reason that they went with him over Joe was because he had the – elusiveness where he could kind of pick up where Jaron left off better okay. than Joe Critchlow, which makes okay. a ton of sense. Yeah, okay. I can I can buy that. Um, and by and, the way, and, Romney was not bad. No, I mean, he, he, he was not they bad. They had opportunities and could not get them. They had to get into the end zone, obviously, uh, down four and, uh, and couldn't do it. So they moved down the field, uh, but they could not get it done. And I think that exemplifies that that game as a whole for BYU could not finish. Well, could they, not finish both as far as time goes through as the game wore on, but also, I mean, how many times did they have opportunities to score touchdowns and they had to settle for field goals? It happened over and over again. They should have had a bigger lead in the first half. Left points out I mean, there that, on the field. That one uh, drive where they, I mean, what, what the, they made it down to the two. First and goal and couldn't score a touchdown against a team like that, that's something you think BYU would be able to do. Couldn't. 
and I didn't come out of this game all that impressed with, with South Florida. I was more impressed with Toledo last week than I was South Florida. But, I mean, it just, it just felt like, you know, football is still a, a game of strength in a lot of ways. And it's a game of – it's a physical game. People throw out the word violent a lot. But, I mean, if you get dominated in the trenches on either side of the ball, odds are – you're going to lose. And you can scheme different ways to negate that effect, right, if you're Air Force and undersized. But the, the, the truth is is that if you go up a team against a team that's absolutely going to move the line of scrimmage every time the ball is snapped, you're going to lose. And that happened to BYU. You could argue on both sides of the ball in the second half, but certainly on the defensive side where they just gave way. And South Florida did whatever they wanted to on the ground. And it's, it's what USC didn't realize when they were playing against BYU. They shouldn't have attempted a pass in the second half. They should have just run all over that team, and they they did to a certain extent, but they still elected to to throw the ball. And it's, you know what, BYU secondary played pretty well against South Florida. I don't have not perfectly, but pretty well. The the, and the and the front seven just absolutely gave way. And I don't think the game plan helped them much either because they didn't play a ton of eight nine man boxes. I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but BYU still outgained them. Uh, I've got the team stats By a right here. Margin. Um, let's see, total yards four thirty nine to three fifteen. You again, that gets back to finishing. It gets back to scoring touchdowns when you need to score touchdowns. Take advantage of that. But you're right; those two things: BYU's inability to finish and BYU's inability to stop the run. That that was the game right yep, there. That's it, and a devastating loss. For this coaching staff. Absolutely devastating. Because, you know what, even getting bowl eligible at this point is going to be a steep climb. They have three pretty much gift wins. Now, you were going down. Liberty. Liberties. They've won four in a row. <laughs> four in a row, and including a sweep of the state of New Mexico. Yes, both of those teams are not very good. Yeah, but we're their Liberty, the point I was trying to make to you, <laughs> is not the worst team in the country. <laughs> so, now UMass might be, and Idaho yeah. State, we know what they're all about down at the FCS level, but I don't think they'll lose to Liberty. But Liberty is not the worst team in the country. No, I mean, but but okay, if let's say those are three absolute gift wins, now BYU will have to show up, and I mean because BYU in the past has lost to UMass. It has. That was a dark day. That was a dark that day. Was a dark day. At home <laughs> but, too, if I'm not wrong. But yeah, but <laughs> I mean, yeah. So so uh, th- that puts them at five, and to get bowl eligible, obviously they have to get six, and that means win one of the other three, which in a reverse order would be San Diego State, uh, Utah State, and Boise State. Well, now Boise has some quarterbacking issues, so maybe yeah. that game's not quite as daunting as it would appear, although I'd still probably pick the Broncos based on how things are going. What are they, six-and-a-half-point favorites? Uh, yeah, something like Playing that. Playing at Lavelle Edwards? I thought it was five-and-a-half, but maybe it moved. But um, And then the Aggies have their own problems, where the Aggies are super beat up. Did you catch Gary Anderson with DJ and PK today? I did not. I mean, he's talking about moving players to specifically safety that aren't going to have futures playing safety, but they just need somebody hmm. to to give depth to that position. I mean, that's not good. I mean, the the Aggies came out of LSU beat up, so you know there's still is a lot it of worth a one and a half. There's a lot of football left to be played. I guess is my point, but 
oh to go one and two in those three to go back and have to you know get the payday at uh, LSU. I'm I'm not sure. I, they're probably going thank you very much for the money, but it didn't do their team any favors. Oof, none. None at all. Not, but to, mention, at least, not to mention confidence. At least they have the bye week now and Nevada should be they should be able to handle yeah. Nevada, yes. I would think. So, and maybe heal up a little bit in the process before they have to take on BYU, but yet another non-conference game spent on a game that's Super going to be super physical and tough and emotionally draining. I bet Gary's looking at looked at his non conference. He's like, oh god. <laughs> I, but didn't they at least they mixed what Stony Brook in there? I don't like those games. I don't like those payday games. The LSU games. Yeah, uh, that's too much. Did you? Well, I mean, I really like their matchup with Wake Forest, and Wake Forest just is turning out to be you know. Okay, I mean, they're, Wake they're pretty good. It's not comparable to LSU. But I guess that's my point. Did you like that game? Because that's a P5 game that even though you're going into their stadium, See, you come that, away with a win. Yeah, but that's a, And that's that was one. a home and home, right? right. That was not right. a and that, that, that's a game that, that you give your, your Aggies a chance to win. LSU, there was no chance. Now, maybe in some years with a, with a combination of factors, you could come together to maybe get a win. But uh, no, no way, not this year. There was no chance. Christian Cox with us, top of the 4 o'clock hour. Ed Davis will be on the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, it is, after all, game day here on the station. Pre-game is going to take over the top of the 6 o'clock hour. Ben Anderson going to join me for pre-half and post tonight. Oh, good. So looking forward to uh, working with Ben. Of course, he uh, writes for KSL.com. If you want better health and to feel better, check out Restore Hyper Wellness and Cryotherapy and ask about the Zone Listener specials on cryotherapy, IV drips, hyperbaric oxygen treatment, and much more. Visit Restore.com for more details. And I believe, Gordon, if memory uh, serves, you and I are going to be out there. Yeah, we are. uh, At some point this week. Is it tomorrow? Yeah, Um, we're going to be out there tomorrow. Are we? Sweet. Well, I'm impressed that you could even pronounce those words. Yeah, you and me both, partner. Got to got to go slowly over that copy, make sure I get it uh, get it correct. <laughs> Stay tuned, more big show straight ahead 975 and 1280 the zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. When I think about Utah going out performing at a quality level, their focus now is really really good. They never let their foot off the gas. They are playing with that New Year's 6 conference championship type mentality that you want to see them have. Utah now, it's it's one thing to be that team that can play at a high level. It's another thing to do it with regularity, and I get the feeling that Utah is going to be that team. Tyler Huntley 11 for 11 in the first half. There you go, man. He is just playing the best football he's ever played, and it's at the right time with the right coordinator in the right uh, scenarios for Utah to go out there and I think have a special run the rest of the way. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Perfect bumper song for this particular segment. Uh, I will explain in a second. 
Uh, I want to remind you to join us, the big show on Friday, October 18th from 3 to 6 at Supply Link, 576 West, 800 South there in Bountiful. Uh, Very excited. I've heard uh, so many cool things about Supply Link. That's going to be a really fun remote, so join us on, on Friday. Um, we're going to get to Christian Cox coming up next, but uh, the big show, and I guess we'll, you know, share. What was she, what was she singing there? Old baby, cry baby. Oh, cry, cry baby. baby. So, okay. we're, and again, this is relevant. Okay, for, I was wondering, old oh, baby, it was cry baby. So, we did. We've started a big show project. Kind of a Gordon Monson project, really. But Gordon, you you spent your entire year in or your entire life in sports, not really being a fan, not caring passionately about a team, and being an observer of the uh, of the game, yada yada yada. Yeah. So this year we've embarked on a project where you experiment with being a fan, <laughs> and so we went through like a like a whole show picking a team for you to root for, and you settled on the Los Angeles Rams. And boy, do they suck. What's the matter with them? Oh, wait. They got. Sorry, I didn't mean to act like a fan. They got worked by the Niners 20 to 7. Jared Goff had, what, 78 yards, uh, I think, as he really, really tore it up. Did uh, Has the NFL caught up with uh, the young coach? I, I, I don't know, man. These defenses, these guys, these coaches are pretty smart. They are, and San Francisco has a really has a has a pretty good defense. Yeah. So I mean, the Niners certainly had something to do with it. But but yeah, Sean McVay, the wonderkind, yeah, hasn't looked so smart <laughs> this season. I don't know. I was just paying attention to social media, and a lot of people were, were drawing that conclusion that the NFL's defensive coordinators have caught up with McVay. Uh, I think that's I, – I, we can rush to judgment a lot of different ways. I think that's a little bit of an overreaction. But they're, they're, they're struggling where people thought they might not. Okay, so explain to us, though, real quick here. How are you feeling? I'm feeling uh, – Because that's a, that's a pretty devastating defeat right there. I'm feeling like I'm walking on glass. <laughs> it hurts. It cuts. Now I understand. Now I've regained an appreciation for fans' emotions. Okay. Are you faking it? Because it kind of sounds like you might be faking it. <laughs> you're supposed to pour yourself into this project, man, and your team loses one uh, one terrible game to the Niners, and now it's now you're just mocking everybody. <laughs> yeah, but isn't that what? Think about the fans that we know, who are so some of our listeners, and think about like uh, Kevin Graham, the Jets fan. Doesn't he constantly rip them? And he's like a huge fan. Is that I'm not supposed to do that? Well, were you ripping them or just faking like you were so like hurt by the whole thing? <laughs> I like, was you disappointed. Go ahead, you can because go ahead I, and rip them. That's fine. I was disappointed. That was that was uh, that was a game. I thought the Rams would gain momentum from winning and looking good and moving forward. Isn't that what fans do? They it is. Now, now in typical fashion for what I do, I'm going to tell you that I'm extremely <laughs> happy the Niners won. I know and I, I hope that man. I hope that your sports pain is real and deep. Mike, can you believe that? Is that what friends do to each other? Is that how we treat each other? I don't say that about you, even though I told you to take the stairs. But I, I, I don't, you know, I don't. It's not Mike, what friends do. Guarantee Mike cheers against his buddies' teams. Well, I think you have a responsibility if. If your friend cheers for someone else, you've got to have a healthy amount of like you know razzing them. 
giving them crap, right. you know, whenever yes. you do well. Because you know, I guarantee you, if you had the... Maybe I'm out of place. I guarantee what, what you had the opportunity. Grew up, he grew up in a bayou. What's he know about this? <laughs> Actually, well, are you a big? Uh, are you a big uh, like LSU fan? Or? I, I'm not big enough that like you'd be able to hurt my feelings if you said something about him. But like I did grow up in in Louisiana. So, so. did you ever uh, wrestle a gator? No. Did you? I, I've I've swam in the bayou. We we used to take this old aluminum bottom boat out in to the bayou that was in the, near the neighborhoods and there was this island out in the middle and we would be we'd be out swimming doing our thing and there was this one time where we heard this really low guttural like growl that a gator does mm-hmm. and then a splash and it was close by so we all jumped in the boat and circled the uh, uh circled the little island and we could see where the fresh mud slick where uh, they had like slid in and we stayed in the boat the rest of the day <laughs> probably a good idea yeah, we were yeah. jug fishing and like it was it was a lot of fun well yeah. we have that in common because i i came i had a close encounter with a gator once you yeah. did not i did no. in the everglades <laughs> you did not. i did i was on one of those fan boats what do you call them fan, the fan boat, boat. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. And I leaned over the boat, and right there, right next to me, within a foot of me, was a gator. Were you, were you on Swamp People? What? So, the no, TV I wasn't show. on the TV show. <laughs> All you need is a 22 and speaking some weird language and pop them in that quarter-shaped side in the back of the head. I think the, <laughs> I think the guy who was driving the boat had a bat. <laughs> well, there you go, Gordon. You had something. You, yeah. you were going to be okay. I was almost gator bait there. Anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, it certainly does not feel like the bayou around here these days. Mike, I think most of us, me included, have turned on our furnaces by now. So what do we what do we need to know to, to make sure they're running right and running smooth? Uh, well, a couple of things. Number one, we talk about how important airflow is. And the number one easiest thing that people can do is make sure that they've got a clean air filter. So go down wherever your furnace is, take it out, hold it up to the light. If you cannot see light coming through it, you're not getting enough air through it. There are some people that have like a, a reusable filter. Um, so take that out and rinse it off, like either with water or take compressed air and blow it contrary to it and then put a fresh, you know, put it back in clean. Uh, another place, uh, with airflow, you want to make sure that wherever your furnace is, sometimes over the summer, that room where we keep our furnace can turn into a storage room. So you want to make sure that you don't have a bunch of equipment or, or not equipment, boxes and things leaning up against it because those holes in the front door of the furnace, those louvers, are actually to pull fresh air in because you have to have about 15 cubic feet of fresh air to every cubic foot of gas that you're burning. And so those aren't for decoration. You want to make sure that you're getting plenty of fresh air in. Isn't, and then, it, isn't it supposed to suck air from outside? If you have a high efficiency furnace, it, it will do that. So the way that you can tell if you've got a high efficiency or a lesser efficient furnace, if you go down and look at it, if it's got a metal exhaust pipe coming off of uh-huh. it and going outside, yeah. that's probably not high efficient because the ones that are high efficient have uh, PVC pipes coming off of it. And you're right, they bring fresh air from outside, but they also exhaust air. So those, that's not quite as uh, as important, but you want to make sure that you've got plenty of combustion air there. And then the other thing, throughout the house, uh, I know a lot of people go around and shut doors and close off vents, to the, uh, but you want to make sure that those are kept open. Hmm, this, is, this is important stuff, Mike, well, because I, it's a safety issue. And I know? had always heard to the contrary on that one. Like, I used to do that all the time. I'd never go in there, 
shut that vent. Well, and I understand why people are doing that. And you would think logically, okay, well, I've got a certain amount of air that it's forcing out if I shut those vents. Because like in the car, right? Yeah. If you close the other vents when you don't have a passenger, you get more cold air blowing in your face. With your heating and air conditioning in your home, it's, it's designed to push a certain amount of air out and bring that air back. And the closest thing that I can really come to describe to illustrate it is, like over the weekend, I was, I was using my leaf blower, uh, you know, blowing lawn clippings and stuff around. And the back of it if, it, if it ever gets covered, you can hear that motor really wind up because it can't get the air through that it's designed to do. Now, your furnace isn't quite that dramatic, but anytime you put a restriction down downflow of the air or bringing it back with the return airs, your your motors are going to be put under more stress. It's going to create kind of a negative pressure, and you're going to spend more than you need to, and it's going to put extra strain on the components in your furnace. So tonight we're talking tune-ups. Yep. Great deal. Yes. So in addition to all of these things that you do yourself, there are some technical specs in the owner's manual that if you've got the right tools and gauges and you know what you're doing, you can do it yourself. But if you don't know someone, the manufacturers say you should have someone that knows what they're doing come in and take a look at your furnace every year. So we developed a 29-point furnace tune-up. We go through the system, make sure all the vital components are working, that everything's running the way that it should. We document everything we find. We have a conversation with you, answer any questions you have. We leave you with a full written report so you know the condition of your system. Normally, we charge $99 to do that. It's well worth it for that price, but Zone listeners are going to be able to save 70 bucks and get it done for only $29. Only key, you got to call tonight. Schedule it for whenever's most convenient for you, but if you want to lock in that $70 savings, call right now. And I got about that it. same exact deal. Yeah, that, same exact, It's a great deal. Yeah, saving seventy bucks. I mean, Mike's put his his job on the line with that deal. <laughs> Gordon stamp, Gordon stamp of thrift. <laughs> Call any hour services right now. Save seventy bucks. Twenty nine point preseason furnace tune up. Ninety nine dollar value, but only for twenty nine dollars. But you've got to get on the books tonight. 801-443-7400. 801-443-7400. Any hour services. Thanks, Mike. You're welcome. Christian Cox joins us next. 97.5 and twelve eighty the zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Ever since I get hit by that stingray, I don't like water sports. <laughs> you got hit by a stingray? Yeah. You get hit by everything. Okay, I know. You, you got to tell why you got hit by the stingray. Yeah. Where did you get hit? Right on the hand. Right on yeah. the side of the hand, and it, it went in about an inch and a half. He almost got wow. crocodile hunted. Yeah. It, it was bad. I wanted to pet it. You yeah. wanted to pet it? You're kind of like Lenny from Mouse and Men, aren't you? No, like, no. <laughs> well, kind of with the a sea creatures. Bit. The thing is, they're so fast. <laughs> they're unassuming. They look at you like, hey, I'm here to pet. He blended in with the bottom, too, and I think he thought, oh, that dude doesn't see me, and then when I touched him, he's like, he does see me. And then, and then he hit me. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.